look at how to deploy our Ruby on Rails application on DigitalOcean. First, we'll create a droplet. And a droplet is just a virtual machine. So by default, it selects 14.04 for our Ubuntu version, but I want to try the latest long-term support. I'll just leave it at the default $20 for now. However, you can run a web application on the $5 instance if you're not expecting a lot of traffic. Select your data region. And then you want to add your SSH keys. And once you have everything set up, you can click Create. It will take a few minutes to create your instance, but once it does, it'll give you an IP address. So now we're going to log into our Ubuntu server. I simply just type SSH root and then the IP address. Notice that before I did select an SSH key, which I'll link in the show notes how you can generate your own. So the SSH key is added as an authorized key to the root user, so there is no password. This is a much more secure way of logging into an Ubuntu server. However, keep in mind that you don't necessarily want to allow your root user SSH access into the machine. The first thing I do on my new installations is an apt-get update and apt-get dist upgrade. That way I'm working with the latest releases of all the packages. Once that's done, I'll go ahead and create a new user using the add user command. And in this case, I'm creating the new user called passenger. It'll ask for my new password. Then it'll ask for my full name and all that information. And I'll go ahead and confirm that this is correct. So what this does is it creates a new user and it creates a new group called passenger and the new user called passenger and it creates a home directory. However, I now want to add this user passenger to the pseudo group. I can call sudo usermod-ag sudo passenger. Next, we're going to install some dependencies required by Ruby on Rails, RVM, and also Passenger. So I'll link these to the show notes, and you can just copy and paste this into your terminal. So at this point, I want to go ahead and log out. And then I will SSH into this server again, except this time I want to log in as my Passenger user. It'll prompt me for my password, and then it'll log me in. And as my passenger user, I want to go ahead and install RVM, which is my preference for my Ruby version manager. However, you may use whatever one that you want. So the first step is to add your GPG key, and then to install RVM. And you'll notice that once it installs, it'll ask you to run source, which this will just reload the RVM script and then you should be able to access it. Next, we'll go ahead and install our Ruby version. In this case, I'll do rvm install 2.3.1. And this will take a few minutes because it will have to download the Ruby source and compile it. Once this is finished, we can type rvm list to see our Ruby version installed, and you'll see that by default, it does make it the current version and our default. So we can type Ruby version to see that our Ruby is installed. And since this is a production machine, I don't like installing the documentation as it just takes a little while longer for the gems to install, and it also includes a lot of stuff that we just won't ever reference in a production environment. I then like to update my gem system, so I'm running the latest version. And then I'll install Bundler. 
Next, I'll configure my Git. And with this, I'm just passing in my email address as well as my name. Next, we're going to install an SSH key, which we'll use to be able to pull down from private repositories on GitHub or GitLab, whatever your version control is. And once your key has been generated, you can see what your public key is. You can then copy this key and then paste it into your GitHub account or your GitLab account and use it to pull down your private repo. In our case, I'm just going to pull down a public repo. Next, I'm going to clone a sample application. And then we'll see that the application has been cloned. We'll then change our directory to the sample application and run the bundle command. Next, I want to set the environment variable to production. And then we'll reload our bashrc file. And we can then install Passenger. And in order to install the Apache module, we do have to install a few other dependencies. And since our sample application is used in MySQL server, I will go ahead and install that as well. And you will be prompted to set a password. We then want to set up our database to link to that MySQL server and the password. Now typically, keep in mind that you don't want to include your database YAML file in your repository, and you really don't want to save passwords in here as well. Typically, whenever I do this, I will set a secrets file that has the list of passwords, or you can use environment variables as well. So if we scroll down here to the bottom, you'll see our password production. And I just set my password to Ruby, and the default user is root. And you may want to create a separate user for each application that you're hosting on the server, or just one separate password that really just has limited access to the database server. Next, you want to edit your config file for the secrets. And here again, you'll see that it's referencing the environment variable secret key base, which you can use. If you don't include your secrets YAML file in your GitHub repository, then you can keep it here as well. You then call regdb setup to create your database, then db migrate to migrate your database. And if you have some seeds file, you can run regdb seed and it'll populate your database with your initializing set of data. Next, we'll enable the headers module on Apache. And then we also want to install the Apache module. And keep in mind that this will take a few minutes to install. Once the installation is completed, you'll want to copy the load module lines and paste it into your Apache configuration. To do this, typically I like to open up a new SSH session. And if you edit the etc apache2 apache2.conf, It'll prompt you for your password, and then you can scroll down to the very bottom and just throw it in there. Close the file and save it, and then on the left here, we'll just hit enter to continue. And everything looks good, and we're ready to configure our application. So next, we'll edit our default configuration under EDC Apache 2 Sites Enabled 000Default.com. I'll typically delete all the default things that are in there. And then we'll paste in the virtual host for our application. Now keep in mind that I am requiring a max number of poles for passenger to four, 
Starting a minimum number of instances is two. You will want to tweak these based on the amount of memory that you have on your server. Also take note of the document root where I'm specifying the full applications path including the public directory. Then under the directory element, I have the same thing listed here. Once you've made these changes, close the file and save it. Next we'll want to restart the Apache service to pick up our changes. You can then navigate to the IP address of your application and you'll see that it works. As you make updates to your application, you can log back into your server and navigate to your Rails application. You can run git pull and then to restart the service, you don't have to restart Apache. You can just run touch temp restart and Passenger will pick this up and restart the instances of Passenger. If you navigate back to your page and refresh, you'll notice it'll take a few seconds to load, but then you'll see the updated changes. Be sure to run your migrations or run your assets pre-compile if you have made those kind of changes. So even though our application is now deployed, we still have some issues where our server is not very secure. We do want to make sure that only we are able to access the server and we're not getting a bunch of unwanted traffic. So a great package to install is called fail to ban. And this will basically block anyone who has tried multiple SSH attempts into your server and it will block their IP address for a duration of time. And we can also tighten up our SSH configuration. So if we edit the etc ssh sshd config, one thing that you can do is to change your port to a non-standard port. You can also change the permit root login to no, so the root cannot log into the server. And you can also change the password authentication to no. Because we did make some changes here, you will want to restart your SSHD configuration. However, before we do, we want to make sure that we do not get locked out of the server. So we need to make sure that we are adding in the necessary SSH keys. And because we already added our SSH key for our desktop computer that we use to log into our DigitalOcean box, it's stored under the root login. So I'm going to move this from the root SSH authorize keys to my local account and then I want to ch own this so now we should be able to restart our SSH service and access it under the port and user and you'll see that with the SSH-P option we can pass in our port specify our user and server and we're still able to access it Another issue with the security of our server is that we don't really have any kind of firewall enabled, so all of the ports are wide open to any kind of malicious attacks. We can install one called UFW. And you'll see that it's already provided by default with our DigitalOcean server, however, it's probably not yet enabled. So we can call sudo UFW status, and you'll see that it's inactive. You'll want to make sure that before you enable the UFW service that you have all the open ports that you want open. Otherwise, once you enable this, it's going to just lock you out and you won't be able to access anything. So the first thing that we want to do is allow our SSH login. Now keep in mind that we did change the port, so you cannot just type allow SSH. Instead, we want to specify the port that we enabled you want to specify the TCP protocol. 
You also want to allow the www traffic, which will reference the port 80 and the TCP protocol. And once you're sure that you have all your settings configured here, you can call sudo ufw enable. And it'll say that this could interrupt existing connections. Do you want to proceed? Again, make sure that you have everything configured correctly here before you proceed. So, logging out of the server and trying to log back in, you'll see that we still have access to our server, but it is much more secure now. So, with all this configured, our firewall, our SSH, our Rails application with the Apache and MySQL server, let's say we want to add a SSL certificate to our server. And for this example, I am going to create a self-signed certificate, so it will throw a warning, but this should show you kind of the settings and stuff that you would use to enable SSL on Apache. First, I'll create a directory under my Apache, and this is where I'll store the certificates. I'll then navigate to that directory, and then I'll just create a certificate that will expire in about a year. It will prompt you for a few items, and do take note that the common name is going to be your domain name. However, in this case, I'm just creating a self-signed certificate, so it's going to throw a warning anyways, and this is just for an example. You may want to look into the Let's Encrypt, as it will allow you to create a free SSL certificate that expires every 90 days or so, and you can set your machine up to auto-renew that every few days or every 30 days to make sure that it never actually expires. Next, we want to enable the Apache module SSL, and then we'll want to edit our Apache configuration. So here we have our port 80 that we're accepting connections on, but then we also want to add the port 443, and this is our SSL connection. So you'll see that we are still referencing the same application, except we're turning on the SSL engine, and then we are specifying the SSL certificate and key that we just created. Now keep in mind that if you do have something like this where you are creating two instances under port 80 and two instances under port 443, you're essentially doubling the RAM requirements of Passenger as it's going to spin up multiple services. However, you can write a rewrite rule on your port 80 to basically forward everything over to your 443 connection. And I would recommend that as with SSL certificates being so cheap or free now, there's really no reason not to protect your application. And then we can call our restart on the Apache service and our SSL certificate should be live now. So even though our server is now accepting connections on 443, our firewall is blocking it. So we'll want to make sure that we are allowing this connection. And you can see our application is still running if we refresh. And if we also prepend HTTPS here, we will get a certificate error, but now you'll see that our application is served over SSL. So if we do want to forward all of our connections, one way to do it is to enable the rewrite module. And then we can edit our virtual host file. I'll then remove everything out of the host, and then replace it with the redirect permanent, and then pass in HTTPS, and then our address. Make sure that you restart your Apache service. Then we should be able to test this out. So refreshing on HTTPS, it should still load. So if we get rid of the HTTPS and just go to HTTP, 
you'll see that it automatically redirects to HTTPS. Well, that's all for this episode. Thank you for watching.